All right. Hello, everyone. You made it to the end. And I think we saved the best for last because Thanks. Nathan is, I think, is going to be a great talk. He talks to carriers and uh, shippers every day in his role at Flexport. So what he sees in the ocean world is what we see in the trucking world a few months later. So really excited to kind of glimpse into the future uh, in this particular talk. So um, Nathan, obviously, there's been a lot of volatility, a lot of back and forth uh, swings up and down. Um, what are you guys looking forward to in 2023 and, you know, past this peak season that's not quite a peak season? Yeah, so I think to get an idea of what's going to happen in 2023, we have to do look back a little bit into what we saw in 2021 and 2022. So we definitely saw that cargo surge. Everyone's very, uh, very apparent to everyone. And the way that the industry reacted to that was to start adding more capacity into the system. So whether that be more vessels, more chassis, more containers, more trucks, we saw the business pick up a lot of assets. This year, the demand went away. So we haven't seen you know, that cliff demand. It's been about a 10% reduction in capacity across at least the NVO business, which is what we look at, so the freight forwarding business. But the assets remain. Those assets are still there. So there's a lot of supply in the system. So that drove the rates down. And we see that especially to the West Coast, the East Coast a little bit less. So how does that translate into 2023? Um, it really depends on where inventories end up kind of after Christmas. How do the sales go? How does Black Friday go? Uh, and what sort of inventory status are we in the beginning of the year? And then going into the year, we do expect 2023 to be a more normal season. Now, of course, things about recession or where the economy is going could always drive that conversation a different way. But we do expect to see a normalization in 2023. Okay. So... You mentioned inventory. That's obviously been a big conversation uh, this year, especially, especially the last six months. We've seen places like Walmart and Target and all these other uh, big box retailers come out and say, we have way too much inventory. It's growing way faster than our sales. Um, but you kind of have a different outlook into what's going on in the inventory world. You're looking also at these small and medium sized businesses that are still not even caught up uh, in terms of their inventory. Um, tell us a little bit about that and how uh, those businesses are kind of adapting in this in this kind of uh, environment. Yeah, so obviously the the story that you see in all the earnings reports and everything that comes out from the big box retailers is inventory based. They're, the warehouses are full, and they've been full now for probably since about June July timeframe. Um, so that has put a lot of pressure on the system because it's it takes up space. It's physical space. So if they imported a bunch of goods earlier in the, in the year, they're sitting in a warehouse, they're sitting in a container sometimes at a rail port or at an ocean port, and they're taking up physical space in the system that you have to then move through. So if you're a small to medium-sized business, which imports more slowly throughout the year and feeds into these stores, you're stuck behind this inventory. So while there is a lot of inventory, it might not necessarily be the right inventory. It might not be the goods that someone is looking to buy. So also, as things come off shelves, everybody wants to replenish their stock. So we're still seeing a lot of stock replenishment. Um, that's kind of, I guess you would say, the negative side. What's the positive side is if you are a small business and you're competing with some of these larger importers, they brought their stock in at a much higher cost level. They imported it at a much higher freight rate. It's been sitting in a warehouse. It's been sitting in a container. It's, con it's continuing 
to accrue cost. And you're seeing that with the inflationary pressure. So even though spending has come down and importing has come down, prices have remained elevated because all of these goods are incurring cost. If you're a business that is still in the market, you still have goods coming in, you're now importing at a lower cost. You're paying less for the freight. You're paying less for storage. So we're seeing a lot of pressure to get those goods into market, get them on the shelf, because now they can compete better. You can either charge less and capture the market share, or you can bring your price up to match what you're seeing on the shelf and create more revenue opportunity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's interesting because we see a lot of conversation, oh, you know, now that spot rates are falling for containers, uh, in, uh, inflation will ease up, all these sorts of headwinds will really get better, but that's not really the case because you have all of these goods that came in on these incredibly high spot rates, they're still sitting in warehouses or, or rally, rally yards in you know Chicago or Kansas City or what have you. Um, and you can't really just get rid of that that cost, that that is what, what, how it was brought in on those high spot rates. Yeah, it, if, if your goods are sitting in a container at Chicago or Kansas City, they're incurring $150, maybe $200 a day in storage. So that's more cost that's getting added to those goods. Um, the other thing, too, is that I mentioned the congestion and how you're, the, the importers that do need to bring in inventory are stuck behind those other, um, those other importers that don't. Yeah. And that's forcing them into modes that they don't necessarily want to import it. So they might not be able to take quite as much advantage of those lower spot rates because they have to use a premium service. They have to use an expedited service. They have to use transload instead of rail, maybe air instead of ocean if they're really critical to get to market. So they're also not able to to take that advantage and lower their landed cost of those goods as much as they should be able to. Yeah, you're you're describing a situation where, let's say, you are a small or medium retailer or importer of some sort of or some importer of apparel or what have you, and you know we have our like tenth blank sailing in a row. You've got to get your goods in, and then you end up doing air cargo, even though you know. When when you read the news and look at you know your sonar platform for example, you see that spot rates are so much lower, but you can't even take advantage of that because of all these blank sailings and all these other sorts of headwinds. Yeah, we see that in apparel and in things like recreational goods, especially as we're coming into winter now. When you come into a new fashion season or a new sports season, people wanting to buy skis and and you know winter stuff. And yeah, if you have a launch date for a product and you've set up your manufacturing and that takes time, you probably put those orders in with that manufacturer in the spring to meet a, you know, say November 1st launch date. And you start backing everything up and you figure out when you have to ship and you're coming out of a, let's say, a smaller South Asian port that only has, you know, one or two services a week. They blank that sailing. Your goods are now delayed maybe one week, two weeks. They could be delayed three weeks. Now you're looking at an expedited service like an air when you really wanted to ship on ocean and you had budgeted to ship ocean. And I also, you were also talking, we were also talking about uh, this idea of the premium ocean carrier, which also seems to be taking advantage of this bl- uh, blank sailing bonanza that's been, that's been yeah. kind of taking over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in chaos, there's opportunity. These services have kind of always existed, but they are the more reliable ones. So when you look at um, CMA, CGM's EXX service, Zim's ZEX and ZXB, Matson, which has been a premium carrier for a very long time now. Um, they exist to kind of fill that void between ocean and air is what they're really there for. But 
they've kind of become the primary mode of transportation for a lot of retailers that have to get their goods to market. Um, same thing with West Coast Transload versus rail. If you have to get to Chicago um, before you could do it on rail. I, when EXX, for instance, first came out, um, the transit time from Shanghai to Chicago was 16 days. And I couldn't sell it. Be and it was $1,000 more than the spot rate because the spot was moving in 22 days. Now it's moving there in about 20 days and the spot's moving there in 40. It's a much bigger difference and, and you can see that now. So those services do provide that, but uh, and it, it's a really good value for the clients that can get on them. Okay, okay. And what is happening right now? You were telling me a little bit about this idea that more, instead of shippers controlling uh, the shipment and uh paying when the good arrives in the U.S. Instead, we're seeing more of consignees, you know, controlling this, controlling the shipment. Uh, you pay when everything is loaded onto the ship. And this seems to also be kind of adding to some of the spot rate volatility. So kind of explain a little bit about that and how that trend has really emerged in the last six months or so. Yeah, the, the general market, at least for the U.S. import um, segment, is that the destination pays for the goods. So the person importing, the importer of record, books the freight, they pay for the goods, and they arrive here, and then they owe all those bills. What we're seeing more is, a, is especially to the West Coast of the United States, is a move to what is known as the, the CIF market, the CIF market, where the manufacturer is more controlling that. That has always existed. It's nothing new. What it is is it tends to be more discounted freight, um, sometimes access to um, additional sailings or additional capacity. But in the past, um, it had more of a risk of rolling to the next sailing because it was more discounted cargo. It was cheaper cargo. If you're the manufacturer, you're going to control your costs probably even more than the, than the destination. Um, but now when capacity is wide open, they have access to these lower rates um, and access to the capacity. Now, there is still the risk of roll if the carrier needs to, you know, wants to, that higher revenue freight on the, on the destination side um, from the destination buyer. You're going to see that, that move more quickly as rate, um, uh, sorry, as capacity, you know, restricts, especially with these blank sailings. But it has become more prevalent in the market and puts a lot of pressure on the rates, especially to the West Coast. And the, the contracts that we're seeing in the ocean market, are those binding? Are those a little bit more flexible, like as we see in the trucking world? Or as these spot rates really fall, are, uh, are carriers allowing for, for people to break their contracts and pay those spot rates instead? Or are we really sticking to those inflated contract rates that may have been negotiated last year? Uh, pretty early in the season this year, um, we saw a, a move away from contract rates onto the spot market. The contract rates that were signed were signed at basically 2021-ish, a little bit less than that spot rate prices. We're nowhere near that. We're a tenth that now. So the shippers just moved over onto the spot rate because they are not generally enforceable contracts. You do see enforceable contracts in the market. Um, they became more popular as the rates were rising, where you see these two-year, three-year contracts in the market. It doesn't present a large portion of the business. Um, some of those contracts also come with more guarantees for more spot space. So if you agree to stay on this contract, then you have more access to spot. So there are advantages of shipping at those higher rates if you balance it across your book of business. But no, generally... Uh, long answer to a short question. No, it was generally a move from the contract rates into spot for most shippers. And does that like 
threaten customer relations or supplier relations, or is the kind of relationship side of this business no longer applicable? <laughs> um, I, I personally feel that relationships are important. I think that those personal interactions are important, and especially when you need to move cargo. I think that a lot of the conversation, though, went to rates and pricing, especially after last year. Just people spent so much on freight that they basically came into this year and said, our number one goal is to lower our freight spend. Um, the thing is, though, like, even though they're not on contract, they are still shipping. So they are still providing business to these, you know, to the NBOs, to the carriers. So the relationship, therefore, is intact. Like, we're still dealing with this cargo. We're still working with these clients. We're still finding solutions for them. And the carriers as well were, you know, everybody, because everybody did it, everybody kind of came along. So what does that mean going into 2023? Um, that's going to be a little bit more interesting how much of the business goes into back into contract or how much of it decides to stay on spot. Um, so I think that's going to be something to watch as well in the spring is how many shippers decide that they want to, they want those contracts. And if the market does normalize, those contracts do become valuable because they come with a space guarantee. So, or at least more of a space assurance that you will load on those vessels. So balancing that cargo and balancing that split for an importer is going to be important next year. Okay. Okay. And we just have a, just under two minutes left. And I feel like, uh, you know, at this conference, we've been talking a lot about uh, moving away from China, uh, kind of rolling back globalization. And Flexport is, of course, all about global trade, making global trade easier. What is your kind of viewpoint in terms of where we're headed with globalization? And I guess, do you agree with kind of the thesis that many of our speakers have, have put out that, you know, you know, China's over and we are moving to places like Vietnam or Mexico or even completely reshoring to the U.S.? Yeah, well, I think for the one thing is like that shift has happened before. It happened in South Asia, Taiwan, as they move from manufacturing into different segments. You know, Singapore has become more of a financial hub when they started out in manufacturing. I think China's moving in that direction anyways as they move up market. They're trying to move more into finance. Um, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? It's all, But it's all about risk. Where does your risk lie as a business? Is your risk in your margins? Are you looking for the cheapest possible freight and the cheapest possible manufacturing um, at the best quality point for you? And then you're going to make that decision. Where can you find that? If you can only find that in China for your market, then you're probably going to have to stay there. But if that manufacturing moves into South Asia, into India, Mexico, back to the United States, and you can, and it fits into your business model, then yeah, I think they'll move. I don't think anybody is you know, stuck to China because it's China. They're there because of the quality of the good at the price point. Mm -hmm. And the market for shipping will follow. Now, the risk there is economies of scale. You can run a 15,000 TEU ship from Shanghai and, and be okay with it. But as you move that cargo away, more ships, more costs. So your your landed costs could go up. Right. And it's, it's challenging to really move away from this uh, China-centric supply chain that has really built up in the last... In the yeah, last, but it, we're definitely seeing that move, though. Okay. Well, great. We are all out of time. Thank you so much for joining us for our last Fireside Chat. And thank you, Nathan, for coming out from California. Thank you. Appreciate it.